Luke 5 verses 1 through 11 and we'll allow you to be seated today. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two, and he saw entered into the ships. I'm sorry, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing. Everyone say washing. Washing. They were washing their nets. Verse 3 says, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed to him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now I would speak and tell you that this was a common custom in the day. Thank God for sound systems and microphones and lapels and the way things are handled here so first class so that we can hear this tremendous choir. But in Jesus' day they didn't have those. And so it would be a custom that they would gather the people there and, and they would maybe in this instant he would shout a little bit but he was doing this so that the echo of the rocks and the hills behind would reverberate and would echo and give somewhat of an amphitheater opportunity for him to speak unto the people now when he had left speaking he said unto Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught and Simon answering said unto him now can't you just see Simon they fished all night master (laughs) Jesus we've toiled all night We've taken nothing. Nevertheless, doesn't that almost sound like some of us husbands? (laughs) I love you, so whatever you want. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Verse 6 says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them and they came and they filled both the ships so that they they both began to sink. They were so full that, that even both of the ships together could not hold. The, the revival was so big that the AM and the second service were so full that they could not hold everybody. When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were, and all that were with him at the draught of fishes, this great catch that they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. In our last verse before you're seated here, And when they had brought their ships to land, when they brought the biggest catch they had ever had, they'd been trained to be fishermen for a day like this. And when they got to land, they said that can't compare with him. And they forsook all and followed him. I'd like to preach to the church for just a little while about new knots in an old net. New knots in an old net. Would you lift your voice one more time with me and throw your hands towards heaven? And would you begin to pray? Lord, let your word come forth with anointing. Let it be spoken with clarity and with wisdom. I pray that it would be palatable, receivable for your people today. That it might find lodging in the soil of our hearts. That it might grow and that it might produce, according to scripture, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. I pray, O Lord, that it would be something that is long lasting. That cannot be scorched when the sun is out. That it cannot be picked up by the fowls of the air. That it cannot be choked out by the roots of life. But Lord, that it would find good ground in this house today. That your seed would grow and that it would produce in our lives. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. 
God bless you and you may be seated today. When I was just a young man, I will never forget that a family in our church allowed a foreign exchange student to come and be a part of a program where they would live there with this family. And this was a pretty interesting thing for us. I had never seen this happen before. And I'll never forget, not only was this family extremely kind to bring them in and have them live in their home and and feed them and take care of them financially, but also they bought them a car. The reason I remember this was because I had not been bought a car. I wondered if I should appeal to my parents that I might be a foreign exchange student. Just that I could get a vehicle. And uh, I will never forget the day when I got uh, the news that this, this sweet young lady that had become a part of our youth ministry there. She had been driving this car. She had been there for a long time now and was driving this car everywhere. This nice little, just a used car, but it was a nice little car. And had been driving it everywhere and it had died on the side of the road. And I remember hearing the story vividly. She did not know how to maintain the vehicle. And so in all the time she had had it, she had never checked the oil. Yeah, I saw some of the guys out there were like, that's the same look I got from my father. I'm not sure how I got scolded over her mistake. I didn't even have a vehicle to blow up yet. But I got the detailed description that when you have a vehicle, you put the maintenance required into it. I've heard many times it's cheaper to maintain than it is to replace. It it costs you less time and less energy, and you'll have less hurt if you will maintain it rather than have to completely replace it and let the parents in the house say amen. I know as students really want to have a vehicle, but we have to understand that it's got to be maintained. I wanted a vehicle so bad at that time, I can remember praying, asking God not to come back before I could drive. Anybody remember those days? I see you smiling. Wave at me if you ever did that. Careful now. You lie, you fry. There's something from the perspective of a parent, though, that is helping that child, whether it's a vehicle or something else, that is costly, teaching that child about maintaining them. I have four children. Do you know how many shoes four children go through? I just recently, my youngest son, Carver, he is delightful. There's no one like Carver. I love him. He's my emotional, semi-middle child, Brother Joel. He is, he is the one that is, he's up and down a little bit, but he loves to be going rambunctious. He had a new pair of shoes on. I'll never forget the day. Ever see your kids do this where they wear their shoes, but they drag their toe? Son, I will not. I... <laughs> you ever have one of those come out of it? I brought you into this world. Just a couple days ago, our neighbors were nice enough to let him ride the little electric scooter of our neighbor, Patrick, and is the young boy that lives next door, and Ray is the father. It's a great couple we live next to, and and Carver was riding their little electric scooter, and, and he was riding it down the sidewalk as fast as it would go until he saw his older brother, Canaan, and some buddies there. And so driving this electric scooter down, he just decides to jump off and ghost ride that thing to a... Our neighbor standing right there. Me as the paranoid father. I'm looking for a taser. Just kidding. 
I couldn't believe that he wasn't appreciating it. But he wasn't appreciating it because he hadn't invested into it. There's a difference when you start getting older and you start putting your money into it. I, I, I found out the, the hard way. I, I didn't realize until I got my own place that things like light bulbs cost money. <laughs> Did you know toilet paper is not free? <laughs> Can I get a witness in the house? It's different when you're the one making the investment. It's different when it's something that, that is yours, that you own. And you need it to last a little bit longer than just today. I need this to last longer than right now. Well, I, I think that's a little bit of what's taking place in Luke chapter 5 when we're starting to read here. And I'd like us to maybe just take a little look at, at, at scripture here together. Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1 both show accounts of Simon, Peter, and Andrew. They're casting in that. Everybody say casting. And then we also see James and John in the ship mending their nets. This is when you read the scripture and it says, Now as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers, and he called unto them. And, and then you say, the Bible says, you read down, it says, And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother also in the ship mending their nets, for they were fishers. It gives us the, the understanding that this was just a part of what they did. We saw the casting and we saw the mending there. But Luke 5 particularly records something that we're not as familiar with when it says that they were positioned there washing the nets. We understand you don't have to be a fisherman. And even if you are a fisherman in this room, you're probably not a fisherman like these with the nets they were dealing with. You might have a bait caster or a spinning rod, but you're probably not going out and dropping nets. But nets have only a couple of purposes, casting and catching. But every net had a maintenance plan. There had to be a maintenance plan of mending, taking the places that became ripped, torn, frayed, taking them and tying them and mending them. Because I'm not going to stay out and fish all night with holes in the net where the fish swim in and swim out. I would even stop and pause right here and say, that's why this church works so hard. Because when we rescue them from the world, we don't want to lose them back into the world. Somebody say amen. amen. There had to be a maintenance plan of mending the nets. But not just mending the nets, washing the nets. Because just because you don't catch fish doesn't mean you don't catch stuff. Just because you didn't pull in the type of fish that you were after doesn't mean you don't catch things like seaweed or junk fish, the debris of the water. You catch the sticks and the unnecessary filler and so you have to bring it in and get those things out of the net. You see the parallel here already, right? There's some things that cannot Stay in. Can you see with me the calloused hands of James and John as they strategically work repairing the sea-stained nets? The tangles were unraveled. The frayed ends of the rope which had lost their ability to hold on. They were recut and retied, strengthened together by the fishermen. Old knots now batched with new knots that were scattered throughout a once white but now tannish or grayish colored net stained by the sea over time. Although it 
it might not have had the same luster of a brand new net, it held the storyline to one successful fishing trip after another. The knots were a mere fading visible testimony that this was a net that had had success before. Take your eyes now off of James and John and peer back into Luke chapter 5. As the fishermen this time, they are not mending and they are not casting, but they are washing their nets. Their hands ferociously worked the net back and forth in the shallows of the water. Their nets were drug into those shallows and the men came off the ships and they begin to wash their nets ferociously in the shallows of the water. This was the tedious, this was the meticulous part. This was the cleanup. This was the no fun part. We're under the impression that it was Simon, Peter, and Andrew who were washing their nets because when Jesus comes in from speaking, he speaks to Simon Peter in verse 4 and says, Launch into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. I would venture to preach to the church today that it is very possible had Peter not taken time to wash the nets when he did, he would not have been prepared to to haul in the catch that God was trying to prepare for him to haul in. It was not just about having a net, but he was looking for someone that had a net that was freshly prepared. Let me say it this way. I don't need people that just know how to cast. I need people that know how to keep the net mended. I need people that know how to keep the net prepared. I need men that know how to get into the shallows. You know, it was the goal of fishermen. They weren't going to just fish that night. They understood that by the time this day ends, I've got to be back here tomorrow. And if I'm going to be successful Tomorrow it's going to depend on what I take time to handle today. And so I know that this isn't fun. And I, I know that this isn't, this isn't the luxurious part of fishing. But you can't call me a fisherman unless I know how to take care of my net. And I think the reality is, is Christ walked up on the seashore. It was not, Christ was not baffled or misunderstanding about the fact they had caught no fish. He knew exactly that they had caught no fish. But this particular night, he was more interested in knowing if they would get prepared for what was coming. And then after you've been trying what you know to do, are you willing to say nevertheless at your word? I've done everything I know to do, but now that I've got a word from God. Maybe, I, let me just Pause here in this second service. I didn't get into this in the first service. But I'm going to tell you it's hard to stop somebody that gets a word from God. It's hard to stop somebody that's got a word from Jesus Christ that says I've been doing everything I know to do and it hasn't worked out but you walk into a service and Pastor Johns gets up and preaches just keep trusting and you walk out with your Bible under your arm and says I've got a word from God. I know the doctors, I know what they said but I've got a word from God. I know my children still haven't been in the house of God but I've got a word from God. I know I've toiled all night but I've got a word from God. There's something about a man there's something about a woman that says nevertheless at thy word listen now I'm talking to some of you you don't have any reason by the world's philosophy to walk in here and shout on a Sunday some of you have got no reason to walk in here on a Sunday morning and the worship team gets going and you throw your hands towards heaven and start. That doesn't make any sense because some of them know you don't have the finances to back it up you don't have the life 
You've been in the middle of an ugly divorce. You've been dealing with kids that have lost their mind. And the devil's tried to tell you you don't have any reason. But you walked in and said, nevertheless, I've got a word. I've got a word from God. And whether they like it or not, whether they believe it or not, whether they make fun of it, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for him. I've got a bigger plan. He's got a bigger plan. I've got a bigger agenda because he's got a bigger agenda. This is not about right now. This is about where I'm going. Make fun of me if you want to, but I got to praise him. Make fun of me if you want to, but I've got to worship him. I am bound by the word of God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm held by the word of God. And so I would, so I would speak, maybe see it, I would speak very comfortably and confidently and tell you we don't need a new net. <laughs> While there's a lot of people going down to church superstores and just trying to grab a new net off the shelf. Look at my shiny new net. You ever show up to fish with somebody that's got brand new tackle? You know they ain't ever fished. <laughs> but when you get that stuff, oh, I've had this for a while. Man, it's got the sticker on it. Just kind of what we would call in our, when I was a student pastor, they called those people posers. Uh, I won't take that or chase that rabbit. I don't want to act like I am what I am not. We don't need a new net. We don't, I, in fact, I'll be honest with you, I don't want a new net. I want what's been tried, I want what's been proven, I want what I know has been working. I want the same net that my grandfather used. I want the same knot that my... I want the same net that my father used. Let me reach back a little farther. I want the same spiritual net that Peter stood up and preached about. The best knot that he ever threw out was when he said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, that's the net that pulled me in and that's the net that I want to use. I don't want a new doctrine. I don't want a new philosophy. I don't want a new worldview. Let me speak something right now. Whether it's popular in worldview or not, I know it's an old net. But every now and then I just grab the torn pieces because of time in that old net. And I just reaffirm some things like here. Oh Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Every now and then I grab those frayed edges of a philosophy and a worldview that you're having to deal with on college campuses and in the workplace. And I just remind myself in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was manifested in the flesh. I'm not singing about somebody I do not know. I know who He is. When I say the name of Jesus, I'm telling you He's a knot in the old net. He's what keeps us and catches us and brings us into the body. Let me tell you, 
I understand that we got, listen, I love doctors. I'm thankful for it. If you're a doctor, I love you. I appreciate your practice. I thank God for what you do. But I also want to be a part of a church that still preaches healing. Now that wasn't as strong as I needed it to be, so I'm going to just pause for dramatic effect. We, I'm glad to be a part of a church that still believes in the healing virtue of Jesus Christ. You recognize that, that Jesus Christ was a new knot in an old net. When he showed up that day in Bethlehem, this was not something new on the scene. It was the prophetic promise of the Old Testament. There's going to be a baby. He's going to be Emmanuel, God, with us. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. His, his name shall be called Jesus. He shall save the people from their sins. And Isaiah said, but that's not all. He was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. It's re-echoed in the New Testament. Not with his stripes we might be healed. But with his stripes we are healed. We are healed. Let me, let me ask this question. Anybody in this place want to see a miracle? You'd love to see a miracle. Now what you're telling me is you'd love to see a dire need. You'd love to see a devastating problem because you don't get a miracle without a problem. But we don't have to go looking for problems. Problems find us. But now let me ask this question. Anybody in this house a testimony of the fact that he's healed you somewhere along the way? If he's ever healed you, I want you to stand and throw your hands towards heaven if you're able. hey. <laughs> Now listen, listen, with hands lifted, hands lifted, I want you to look across this building. I want you to look and I want you to allow it to be painted on your mind right now. You know what this is? This is a bunch of new knots in an old net. This is a bunch of people that say, you've come too late to tell me he's not a healer. You've come too late to tell me he's not a deliverer. You've come too late to tell me he's not a provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Rapha, he is my healer. Jehovah Nisa, he is my banner. He's everything from the Old Testament and everything in the New Testament. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Yes. So you may, you may be seated there. The reality is we need to know who we are. The only way we catch them, I love this Pentecostal celebration, what we do here and the, what the party's all about. And if you're, you're here today and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ or filled with the Holy Ghost, we're going to have your party soon because it's for you. It's, it's for you. But we've got to remember who we are as the body of Christ and recognize what we represent. We bind together with who we are and the doctrine of our beliefs. We're not wavering based on philosophy or sociology or, or worldview. We, we, we don't, we don't strike. Our worldview is filtered through Scripture. Jesus looked at Satan. When he was led out by the enemy, the Bible tells us that he was led out by the enemy. And, and there in the, in the book of Matthew, the fourth chapter, the devil just kept tempting him. It's amazing to me how that chapter starts, that he was led into the wilderness by Satan to be tempted. Led to be tempted. 
led to be tempted. I think it was also that we could hear his response to Satan. Because every time Satan would tempt him, he'd say, it is written. Maybe Jesus has some new method or or some new philosophy. He said, no, it's already been established. It's already been established in the word. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Don't tempt the Lord thy God. He kept tempting him and Jesus just kept relying on the word of God until he just resisted him and the devil began to flee. And when he began to flee from him, verse 11 I believe tells us that the angels showed up and started ministering unto Jesus because sometimes you just got to tie a knot in it and settle it in your mind and say I don't care if they do it at school or not. I'm tying a new knot and an old knot. If it was sin back then, it is still sin. I know we might not shout on that, but if it was sin back then, you got a pretty good recognition. It's still sin today. If it was wrong then, it's probably wrong now. If it used to be wrong, it's probably presently wrong. I'm going to meddle for a second. I was a student pastor for a long time. Young people, I want you to love me. But moms and dads, you ought to know the passcode to every electronic they have. That was a golf clap. I know that every other kid at school does it. But there's some things. Some things we can't allow to leave open in our house. There's some holes we can't, what do you say? There's some, I don't want to meddle, but allow me to do There's some music we don't listen to because there's some stuff we don't watch. We don't set it before our eyes. There, come on, where are the daddies at? There's some boys my daughter's not going to talk to. There's, there's some things they're not going to, is it really that big of a deal? Absolutely. We need some moms and dads and we need some Holy Ghost filled young people that will stand up and say this is who I am and I'm not ashamed of it. This is how I live and I'm proud about it. I am a one God. Apostolic. Holy Ghost. I'm separated. I'm sanctified. I'm a part of the body. I'm a peculiar people. I'm a part of a chosen generation and you might not like it but I'm not trying to reach out and please you. I'm trying to reach out and re-secure the part of the net, the, the, the net that's been broken by time. Give me, a, give me a mom that'll run up here real quick. Any mom that'll run up. I'll tie, yay. I love it. Thank you. Come here now. How old your your babies? How old your kids? You have kids? Seven and twenty. Hold hold that for a second. Hold that for a second. You know, hell, hell wants to snatch the babies. Hell wants to take the babies out. There's sometimes a mom has to say, not, not my baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like a mom that gets some, just some righteous indignation and says, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're coming after my children, you're going to fight me first. You're going to... If you come, if you're going to try to tear a hole in the net of our family, I'm going to be mama at midnight pleading the blood of Jesus. Say, I'm going to re-secure. I'm going to re-tie every knot. I'm going to re-bind every broken air. Come on, moms and dads. We need you right now. We need you in this generation to rise up. Give me a father. Give me a father that will run up. Give me a father. 
Come on, run up here. That's all right. Give me a couple of you. Grab a couple of these pieces. Just grab a, just grab a couple. Yeah, but dads, we want them to be popular. I, I want them to love God, but I'd really like them to make varsity. Come on, I know where I'm at right now. I, 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 want, them, I, I want them to be used in the church, but, but you know, I, I, want them to, I want the girls to like them. See, I, want, I want them to have the experience I didn't have. I tell you, in 15 years of youth ministry now, I've seen a lot of parents that destroy their kids by trying to live vicariously through their life. We don't need fathers. We don't need weak fathers. I'm going to say that. We don't need weak, lethargic fathers. We need fathers with a holy righteousness that'll stand up and square their shoulders and say, As for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the kingdom. I'm going to tie a new knot in an old net. I'm going to look back. I'm going to keep preaching the same truth to my family. I'm going to keep preaching the same doctrine. Because pastor, it's not your job. Let me, tell, let, me, let me tell you something right now. If they, come, if they come and they hear a 40 minute message every single week throughout the year. If they came every single week by some miracle for 52 weeks out of the year. That means he gets to preach for them for 1.5 days out of 365 days if you do the time. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. If I Every now and then as a father, I got to look my kid in the eye and say, no, you're not going. What do you mean that's not fair? Because I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm trying to be your father. And I'm a minister in this. I feel such a passion in me. We're stirring up hell right now. But we got heaven on our side right now. We're going to be men and women of character. Fathers of doctrine that love truth. Mothers that will plead the blood. Individuals that will tie a new knot in an old net. Give me a young person that will run up here. Give me, a, give me a student. Come on, run on up here. You love Jesus, don't you? You love Jesus. I saw you up here worshiping. You got a burden to reach your school. You got a burden to see every member in your family. I don't care if the world thinks it's popular. This is who we are. I don't care if the world understands it. In Him we live. In Him we move. In Him we have our being. I don't want a new net. I don't want a new gospel. I don't want a new philosophy. I want to re-secure. The old timer said it was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. I want that kind of. I want, I want non-watered down where we don't have to try to manufacture it. Where we don't have to say come and you'll be healed and we kind of believe it. I don't want to have the shout of God and not the God of the shout. I want to be who I say I am. I've been, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I've been to some churches that either got to change their behavior or change their sign. Because if we're going to be Pentecostal, if we're going to be Pentecostal, this is a church that is Pentecostal in word and in deed, our action and our doctrine. And so I'm here preaching. Now, 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 now watch this. Thank you. you you've, been, you've been so helpful. If you want to stay, you can stay. If you want to go back to your seats, I'm going to wrap very quickly. Reality is this. 
Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The fulfillment of that promise. And his life is our example. He knew he would show up that day after they toiled all night and caught nothing. In the lowest place they've been. It's their job to catch fish. It's how we feel when we don't have anything to celebrate. I know that feeling. I know the Monday morning feeling when numbers were down. I know the Sunday night, early Monday morning, 2 and 3 a.m. Preached a message one time about the voices of the night where I'd listen and hear people call out that we're not in church and I'd wrestle that in my spirit. Jesus knew what he was doing when he showed up. But he was setting the men up for something that was greater. We've got to believe that with every trial, he's setting you up. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but you've got to believe that what you've went through in the last year, he's been setting you up. He's been setting you up for something... They fished all night long. Nobody was going to look at them and say, I see you went back to your honey hole. I see you went back and reproduced what you're able to always produce. They had drugged their ship and their nets in and everybody knew they caught nothing. So everybody after the next catch would have to say, had to be the Lord. (laughs) Had to be the Lord. There's a bunch of us in this place that I feel like we're on the verge of a breakthrough where co-workers and family have to look and say, had to have been the Lord. Had to have been the Lord. I believe we've got some doctor's reports that are about to come and say, I don't know, I can't explain it. I, 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 it was here. The cancer was here. The sickness was here. I've got it in this x-ray, but I can't find it in this one. And you're just going to say, I know it was the Lord. I know it was the Lord. I know it was the Lord. I don't know why it happened. I don't know how it happened other than to give them a testimony and a word. I like to think the reason it happened was because Jesus pressed out and preached from the boat. I like to think that the God of all creation got into the ship and started preaching and even the fish gathered in to listen. I don't know how it happened. Other than to know that when Peter and those men stepped off, they found out everything I wanted pales in comparison to being in his presence. Everything I've been working for, every job promotion I've taken, every financial raise I've been seeking after, I just had the biggest catch of my life and I'll leave it all at the seashore if I can just follow after Jesus. There's no job worth your family's salvation. There's no advancement at your school worth your salvation. Nothing can be a distraction from following Him. Jesus was that knew not in an old net we sang about at this choir, this worship team. So beautifully, wonderfully, Sister Paula singing about that love of God. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head. For me, he died. You got to make that personal. 
And we're anxious and we look forward to the next part of that. But that's not how. That's why the worship erupts. Because when we start recognizing the tomb couldn't hold him. Do you recognize there's been an entire doctrine formed about the fact that Jesus Christ hanging on that cross looked off and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And many of our own men and women have been perplexed by the opinions of others when they've looked at them and said, Then why did he look into the heavens and call out as though he was forsaken? But if you study your scripture a little bit, you know that what Jesus did hanging on the cross was reached back into the Old Testament and start quoting Psalms 22. He reached back hanging lifeless at the end of it all. He wasn't saying, God, why hast thou forsaken me in the sense that my life is over and the plan has been ruined. He was letting the very atmosphere know this has been in motion for a long, long time. That's why the Bible does not say his life was taken. The Bible says when he yelled out it was finished, he yielded up the ghost. When the plan was done, he said, all right, I'll give you my life now. Because then we need another verse that says that's not how the story ends. Three days later, he rose again. We are therefore dead to our sins and buried with him in baptism. But we find resurrection and we put a new knot in an old net when we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is all that really necessary? Pastor Jones, do you really need to spend that much time on worship? Yes, we do. Is it, uh, now listen, is it really that necessary that we come in and we clap and we shout? Do you see that guy running aisle? Is that really necessary? Can I tell you one of the things that I've been preaching in camps and conventions with four children of my own? I dread the thought of there being a day that somebody looks at one of my children in high school and says, aren't y'all the holy rollers? Aren't y'all the the ones that get crazy in church and that be lost on them? I think if there's ever been a day to intensify the worship about the fact that Jesus Christ has set us free... You say, well, that's not really my demeanor. You don't have to worship him like me, but you got to worship him somehow now. you got to do something to give him praise. you got to do something to shout. I wish I could get a worshiper in the house of God that would just begin to magnify and worship. I wish somebody just start praising him and say, I know who I am. I know who I am, and I know what I'm doing. I'm going to put a new knot in an old net. I'm going to worship him like David did. I'm going to dance like David danced I'm going to lift my voice I'm going to shout unto God with the voice of truth Come on, just shout unto God for a minute Just worship God for a minute Hey! He set me free He saved my family He healed my body He delivered my children He raised us up He put us on the right path There's nobody else that's worthy Because if you get a new knot in your net, you can worship him through anything. 
You'll be the person driving in the car just singing the song. <laughs> like people can't see you through the window. But you don't care. Because he's better than the job loss. And he's better than the family trial. And he's been too good. He's been too good for me to give up. I'm not trading this net in. I wish there'd be somebody grab that net. Grab that. I'm not trading this in. You're not taking this from me. You're not getting this out of my family. You're not getting this out of my church. You're not getting this out of my home. This is who we are. I wish somebody just start worshiping a little bit. Saying this is who I am. Woo! Now, now we're about to have an altar call. Okay? We're about to have an altar Now, if you're a visitor, this is my disclaimer. If you don't like me, you come back next week. You're going to love the preacher next week. Okay? I'm crazy. Sorry. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to have an altar call. We put some of these pieces of rope. You don't have to take one, but if you will, you grab one. Just tie a knot in that one piece of rope. Throw it on your dresser. Throw it in your Bible and be reminded. I'm going to keep some new knots in and hold I'm a tongue talker and I'm glad to be. I'm apostolic and I'm glad to be. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also the Greek. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not ashamed of what I believe. I'm firm in my faith. I'm tying a new knot in an old net. Now I want, you to, I want you to help me out. As they're pressing in, I want you to pass some of these back. And I wash my net is I don't want anything in it that doesn't please him. Because Revelation says, they heard the voice of many and said, Who is this? And the answer was, These are the ones that have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. This is not just tradition or routine or semantics. This is something that's bigger than us. This is something that's greater than our protocols and routines. This is eternity, divinity, and humanity coming together in the house of God. Woo! I don't know about you, but I wish everybody out there could feel what we feel in here. Now here, here's where we are. Pass these out. Please, thank you so much to these precious people. If you want a net, throw your hand. If you're in the back, if you're wanting one of these. Because we're about to do something collectively. Got some in the pews that can't get up here. If you're here and you'll press forward, I want everybody that's willing to come. So if you press forward, this isn't the church I go to. This is my church. Somebody needs to settle that right now. Pastor Jones is not the guy who preaches to me, he's my pastor. He's able to preach to me and tell me i got to get some things out of my net every now and then. Now here's what we're going to do. We're about to celebrate. We're not going to boo-hoo and cry. And we made up our minds. 
what we're going to do for the kingdom. But there are people all across this building that you've got some stuff you need to go home and catch that's been slipping through the cracks. You got some babies and family members and neighbors that ought to be in the house of God. We're going to firm some things up. We've had some things trying to come at us, trying to make us question who we are and what we do. But we're going to firm some things up right now. Woo, I feel God. I feel God. I want you to take that rope. Here's what we're going to do. In just a second, we're going to lift that rope towards heaven. We're going to commit to Him. I'm firming some things up today. you got to help me right now. We're going to firm some things up. And when you lift it, I want a wave of worship and praise to come across. I want us to just begin that. Are you ready? I want us to give Him everything we have and begin and start claiming some things in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've never been baptized... If you've never been baptized and you're here today, we've got the water ready. We've got a team that's going to be just over here. If you want to be baptized and you've never been baptized, this is the right day. This is the right opportunity. This party is for you. All right? Come on, if you're going to agreement with me right now, I want you to take that thing, tie a little knot in it. I'm not going to lose my family. I'm not going to lose my hope. I'm not losing my marriage. I'm not losing my doctrine. I'm not losing my holiness. I'm not losing my separation. I'm not losing. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm committed to Ataye. Ah, come on. Come on. I put a new knot in an old net. I put a new knot in an old net. I'm secure. I'm securing it. I'm fastening it. I'm believing it. I'm trusting for it. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Somebody begin to shout. Somebody begin to praise. Somebody begin to worship. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, I'm claiming it. Come on, I'm claiming it. Come on, I'm claiming it. I'm taking it back. I'm rejoicing in it. I'm receiving it in the name of the Lord. I'm not going to settle for less. I'm not going to accept any substitutes. I'm taking that same old net, that same old doctrine, that same old truth. Woo!